Hey there, this is Pastor John Ware, lead pastor of Lifehouse Newport News, a church that exists to help all people experience life change through Christ. Thank you for joining us today on our podcast. We hope it inspires you and gives you perspective to see how God is moving in your life. Now let's get to today's episode. How do you know if your life is making the difference you hoped it would make or that what you're doing is having the impact you would hope it would have? I ask this because the truth is we can't know what difference we'll make or how our life will impact others until it's over or at the very least until it's too late. Hey, Lifehouse Newport News, I am so excited to be able to come and be able to preach and be able to share the word with you guys today. You have to know, I so love Pastor John and Kristen and their boys. Just an amazing family. I have such a respect for each of them, and I'm so grateful for you. You have to know that I regularly pray for you, for Lifehouse Newport News, for your city, and believing that Lifehouse Newport News can have an incredible impact on your surrounding community. And I want to say happy Father's Day to all of you dads out there. I'm so excited for you and what a privilege to be able to join you guys. And so the question again is, how do you know what impact your life will have? I want to jump into a story found in ancient times as recorded in the Bible. The setting is the nation of Israel uh, was delivered out of slavery. They were, they were in Egyptian slavery. Uh, the charismatic and heroic deliverer Moses led them out of slavery. The, the Red Sea divided. God provided supernaturally manna that rained down from heaven every day. And, and so it was truly a miraculous life that they lived for 40 years in the desert. But their goal was not to live in the desert, but to take the promised land. For 400 years, God had been telling them that he would give them their own land, the promised land. And so now they're right at the point where they were going to discover the promised land, where they were going to take the promises of God, and they were going to live their destiny. And Moses died. Joshua, who had been the commanding officer of their armies, now took leadership over the entire nation. There's this interesting moment. Literally the night before they began their military campaign to take on the promised land. The first city they're going to come to is the city of Jericho. That is this massive walled city, a fortress. And Joshua is preparing his army for battle. And so here's this moment. This is going to be his life-defining moment. This is going to determine his legacy. Because usually how you start sets the path for how you're going to finish, right? The direction you're going is going to determine your destination. And so here is his moment. But the moment is recorded in Joshua. And I'm going to bring you this, this, the moment before the moment. Joshua chapter 5 verse 13 Now, when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and he saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. Joshua went up to him and asked, are you for us or for our enemies? Now, Joshua's a man of courage. He's a warrior. He's a leader. And now he's a leader of a nation. So when he sees a soldier, when he sees a warrior with a drawn sword, he marches right up and he says, look, are you for us or are you for our enemies. And this is the question most of us 
ask. Many times for men, we're looking at every situation, a job opportunity. We, we evaluate people. Are you for me or are you against me? Can you help me get ahead or are you going to get in my way? Are you my competition? Are you trying to compare yourself with me? And so we evaluate people in situations. Are you for me or are you against me? And Joshua, as the leader of a nation, comes up to this soldier, this warrior with drawn sword, and he says, are you for us or for our enemies. Now, I want to I illustrate that moment this way. Let me, uh, I had a privilege uh, last summer before we were all in lockdown and there were travel bans and we weren't allowed to go anywhere or do anything. I had the privilege of taking my family out west and we had a chance to go to Sequoia National Forest. And so I want you to check out these amazing trees. We got a chance to see trees that stand nearly 400 feet tall and are 40 feet wide. My entire family can hold hands and can wrap around the tree. So 40 feet in diameter, some of these trees, 400 feet tall. And I mean, just truly amazing trees. This one is uh, the General Sherman tree, the largest tree on earth. Now, when you get a chance to see these trees, it's mesmerizing. It's captivating. And all of this from a, a seed. One seed uh, is about the size of a tomato seed. And they come from a cone, you know, about the size of a small chicken egg. And, it, you know, in this cone, it's the, the seeds are released, about 4,500 of them to an ounce. And as a result, when these seeds are released, they grow to a tree, trees that can live up to 3,000 years. They're nearly indestructible. Why would I say indestructible? Because check this out. Forest fires, rather than hurting them, actually help them. When you go up to one of these uh, sequoias, what you notice is that they have three foot thick bark. And... It's filled with tannic acid. Tannic acid is actually a substance used uh, in fire hydrants or in a, in a fire extinguisher. It puts out fires. Crazy, right? God made a tree that's built to extinguish the fire that comes up against it. And I mentioned that forest fires not only don't hurt, they actually help. How could I say that? Well, because here's what the fire does. Um, Several decades ago, the National Park Service, in an attempt to preserve the sequoia trees, did everything they could to make sure that there were no forest fires. But then what they discovered was that there was no new growth, no new saplings of sequoias. Why? Because in their research, what they discovered is that these little sequoia cones, which are like rock hard, stay hard until the fire softens them. And this fire softens the cone, which then releases the seeds, which fall on the fertile ash that was just created by the forest fire. And they get a jump start against all the other undergrowth. So rather than hurting, the fire helps the sequoias. And for you and I, maybe you are like the National Park Service, doing everything you can to avoid discomfort, to avoid the heat 
of the fire. And so you settle for something minimal. You settle for only what you can accomplish, only what you can get your hands on, only what you can do. And dads, I know if you're anything like me, you don't want to measure your life based on what you can accomplish because it's possible that the most significant thing you ever will do is not something you accomplish, but someone you raise. Well, how are we going to do that? How are we going to live our life in such a way that our life matters? Well, the only way that's going to happen is if we face the heat And we allow God to release something in our life. Maybe the seeds of purpose and the seeds of potential. Let me jump back into the story of Joshua. So here's the moment. He confronts this warrior and he says, are you for us or for our enemies? Neither, he replied. But as the commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Whoa. The commanding officer of all of the armies of heaven has showed up and revealed himself to Joshua. Joshua did what any one of us would do. He fell face down to the ground in reverence, in worship, in humility, in respect. And he asked, rather than saying, are you for us or for our enemies? Now he says, what message does my Lord have for his servant? What do you want to say? What do you have for me? What are my battle orders? This moment becomes the life-defining and redefining moment for Joshua. And what's the key takeaway? The takeaway for you and I is this. We're invited, like Joshua was invited, to live a legacy. I'm not challenging you to leave a legacy, but to live a legacy, to live your life in such a way that how you live matters, that your life makes a difference and it has an impact on those around you. And that sounds amazing, but it's impossible. You want to know why it's impossible? Because you and I have a legacy sabotaging force inside of us. The reason why we don't know whether what we do matters is because we've seen so many people who thought they were doing the right thing, but the end result was that their impact had a very opposite and negative outcome. You can't know what impact your life has because you don't know how the story will really be told because there is a spiritual force driving every one of our lives, sabotaging our good legacy. That spiritual force that sabotages our life is called sin. Sin is an instinct that pushes us away from God and toward what we want. So we turn our back on God and God's best and God's plan. And then we evaluate everything and everyone through the lens of are you for me or are you against me? Will this help me or hurt me? Will this make me happy and feel better? And sin, it doesn't just set us off on a course where we live for ourselves and we live selfishly so that we don't know whether our life matters. No, it sets us off on a life course of ruin where we hurt ourselves and we can hurt those around us. And worse, sin doesn't just sabotage this life, it sabotages our forever life. So we go on living forever far from God, experiencing the eternal judgment that is the forever consequence of a life of sin. 
But God was unwilling to leave his people headed toward ruin in the battle of sin, defeated and destroyed. And trust me, this battle, this fight that you and I are up against, we've lost it before we even started it. Sin had already won the day. And so God stepped into our life and took on our battle where we were already defeated. Jesus stepped into our world. Now, many years later after Joshua, but it's cool, in this moment, uh, scholars have studied this and believe that what the person Joshua met who referred to himself as the commander of the armies of the Lord was the pre-incarnate Jesus. Thousands of years before Jesus was born in Bethlehem, he showed up and he met Joshua. And Joshua said, are you for me or against me? And maybe you've been living your whole life saying, are you for me or against me? Maybe you're trying to even use God. Is God for me or against me? But when Joshua met this pre-incarnate Jesus, he bowed down. He said, what message do you have for your servant? And Jesus came again. Not with sword drawn, but to take the sword of sin. To be pierced and beaten and crucified on our behalf. Jesus died in our place, absorbing our eternal death sentence. And when he died, he died once for all, so that anyone who believes in Jesus by faith is forgiven of their sin and given new life. But Jesus not only died, Jesus rose from the dead. He, he, he rose in victory and triumph, and he defeated death. He conquered the power of sin. He freed us from the grip of sin on our life and he set us free from the fear of forever judgment so that when you believe in Jesus by faith you're not only forgiven but you're given new life and forever life can I encourage you maybe that's where you're at today maybe you've not uh, had that moment like Joshua where you encountered God and you've been living your life saying, are you for me or against me? But in this moment, you're discovering that when you meet God, God says neither. But I have come to you as the commander of the army of the Lord. And this is a moment where maybe you need to bow. And as you bow, you say, I need to say yes to Jesus as my Lord and my Savior. If you're making that decision today, can I encourage you to take a step? I want to encourage you to just text the word me to the number on the screen. We're going to take a moment, just give you an opportunity to, to, to take note of that. If you're making that commitment right now, where you're willing to, to bow the, the, your heart before God by faith and say, that's, that's me right now. I want to say yes to Jesus. If so, I want you to text the word me to this number. And we'll have a team that follows up with you as you begin this new journey of faith in Jesus Christ. Now you've made the commitment. You've acknowledged God in your life. You're recognizing that if this is not about a, is God for me or against me? Is every situation for me or against me? But this comes down to, am I with God? God's spirit wants to enter into your spirit. And when he does that, he transforms your life. He transforms your focus so that you're no longer living for what you think matters, but you begin to live for God. In fact, that was Joshua's moment. So let's jump back into the story. In Joshua chapter five, in verse 15, the commander of the Lord's army replied, so this is the message. Take off your sandals, for the place where you're standing is holy. And Joshua did so. Now that, that's the key part, right? 
commander, the commanding officer says to him, the place where you are standing is holy. Take off your sandals. And Joshua obeyed. This was essential because the key here is that now the commander of the Lord's army is to give him very specific battle strategy, but it's a, it's a weird battle strategy. Maybe you've heard this story before, but for those that haven't, let me just give it to you. The battle strategy is they're going to go up against a fortress, the city of Jericho, which has uh, very thick and powerful walls, walls that you can't just knock down. And, and so the commander says, here's what I want you to do, Joshua. I want you to put the worship team out in front. I don't know about you, but if I'm, have, if I'm going into battle, you don't put the trumpet player and the, ba- and the, and the uh, drummer and the guitar player out in front. You let the worship team, you know, stand on the side and cheer and play, but God commanded them to put the worship team, put the instrumentalists and the singers out in front, and then just to march around the city once, each day for six days, and then on the seventh day to march around it seven times, and when they finish marching, to blow the trumpets and shout. What's the point? If we're going to live a legacy, how's that going to happen? Well, to live a legacy, it means you're going to have to go in the opposite of your instinct. It means going the opposite of our instinct by doing God's will, God's way. You want to live a legacy, not just leave a legacy? You want your life to matter for more than just what you're doing? You're going to have to go in the opposite direction of your instinct by doing God's will, God's way. Joshua is the commander and the leader of the nation. But then he's confronted by the commander of the Lord's armies and the leader of all nations. And there's this, there could have been a power struggle moment. Are you for me or against me? God says, neither. Trust me. When, you, when you're getting into battle, you, it's easy for you to go, is God for me or against me? And he's saying, neither. But as the commander of the Lord's army, I have come. And when you and I bow our hearts and bow our agendas and bow our ego and bow our legacy to God, then and only then can our life begin to matter. So the question for Joshua was, who is or who will be the commanding officer of this battle, of your life, of your legacy? Whose battle plan will you follow? Is it your battle strategy? Joshua was a a battle expert. He was not only a warrior, but he was a battle strategist. He had led the nation in battle after battle. But now he is yielding to the commander of the Lord's army. In your life, who's the commanding officer? Who's the commanding officer of the battle that you're facing right now? Who's the commanding officer in your home? in your marriage, in your parenting, in your finances, your spending, your dreams, your hopes? Whose battle strategy are you following? Is it what you've dreamed up, what you've figured out? Is it your best ideas and your best laid plans? Or are you willing to submit everything you've figured out, all of your experience, all of your work, and submit that to the battle strategy of God? The only way that, you're, that you will actually leave and live a legacy is if you are willing to go in the opposite direction of your instinct by following God's will, God's way. Can I encourage you? How do you do that? You spend time in God's word. 
because it provides you a roadmap for life? Well, yes, but more importantly, God's word is a love story where we discover who God is and what God does. And then I want to experience that in my life. I want to experience who God is and what God does in my life. And so I submit to God's will and I do it God's way. So let's take it a step further, though. What's the outcome? Not only do they win the battle of Jericho because they follow God's will, God's way, but they took possession of the entire of the promised land. The nation of Israel is able to fulfill the promises of God and experience the promised land of God because Joshua was living a legacy, not leaving a legacy. You won't know if what you're doing matters unless if what you're doing matters to God and is what God wants you to do. God writes history. God's will and God's way is what will matter in history. And so only when I am aligned with God's will and God's way can I be certain that my life will truly matter in history. So that I am not leaving a legacy, but I am in living in such a way that what I'm doing matters and will last forever. So what's the final outcome? Let's jump back into the story of Joshua. Joshua chapter 24. Joshua is speaking to the nation toward the end of his life. And he says, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. What a great message for Father's Day weekend, right? Maybe as dads, as leaders, maybe, maybe you're a single mom joining us. You're, you're leading your home. And I would challenge you to say, but as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. This is my commitment. This is my resolve that I'm going to be about what God's about. And, and so here's the outcome. In, in a couple verses later, uh, you see, this is a statement. Israel served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua and of the elders who outlived him, who had experienced everything the Lord had done for Israel. What, what Joshua did was he led his nation to serve the Lord. And they served the Lord because they saw Joshua's example. And those that were close to Joshua, who experienced um, the victories of God through Joshua's leadership, so long as they were alive, the nation of Israel followed God. My challenge to you is this, only what we sow but never harvest will last forever. You want to live a legacy? Then make sure that you're sowing without the goal of reaping. What are you willing to give away that you're not going to get in return? So many of us, we make an investment with the goal of getting a return on that investment, our ROI, right? We invest with the hope of dividends. We, we give hoping to get. We serve others hoping that we get served. We put resources into retirement hoping that we will retire well. And by the way, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. We need to be wise financially. We need to make an investment with our life. But there have to be moments in our life where we make an investment and we sow with no expectation of a harvest. You're going to pour into your family. You're going to pour into your kids. You're going to give and give and give with no demand on a return on that harvest. Now, you're hoping for a return, but you're looking for the return in forever. Only what we sow but never harvest will last forever. I want to put sequoia seeds in the ground. I want to allow the heat of difficulty and suffering and hardship, maybe the heat of this season, 
to soften the hard places of my heart so that the seeds of God's purpose and the seeds of potential are released into the fertile ash of the difficulties and the sufferings around me so that new life and new growth can grow up and matter. Maybe your kids are that new growth. Maybe your family is that new life so that as God releases something from you through the heat of these moments, God is releasing from you. He's loosening your grip so that you will let go and you will allow God to do something significant with your life like he did through Joshua's life. And so how do we do that? Let me give you a couple thoughts on things that last forever. Sequoia seeds that you plant, but no one knows you planted them. Someone 2,000 years from now may see the sequoia seed or the sequoia tree, will never know who planted it, will never know who tended it, but they can see the results. May your life spread sequoia seeds so that years from now, even when no one knows who sowed the seed, there is a lasting impact. You know what lasts? Prayer. Would you pray the kind of prayers that outlast you? Don't only pray prayers that you will see the results of. Don't only pray the kind of prayers that will be answered in your lifetime. Pray big prayers that outlast you. Pray prayers over your children, over their children. Pray pray blessing over your family. Pray blessing over your community, over your city. Pray the kind of prayers that outlast you and last forever. Generosity is a sequoia seed. That lasts forever. It's the kind of seed that when you plant it, you don't quite know how long it will keep growing and it may grow for thousands of years. Generosity is when you give without expecting to get and you give sacrificially and you give generously the way God gave to us. Can I encourage you to give generously to the church? I I love being able to be a a guest pastor. I I love Lifehouse and I I feel like a, a father of Lifehouse, but I want you to know, can I challenge you, would you be generous to Lifehouse Newport News? Would you give sacrificially above and beyond? I promise you, what you give matters forever. And then finally, serving. Serving is a sequoia seed that you plant it and you don't know how long It'll grow. And what other seeds will come off of that tree that will grow into even greater impact? When you serve, you don't know how long that moment of serving will last. When you serve the least and the broken and the hurting, when you, when you learn to listen and love others, even when it hurts and is uncomfortable, that moment of serving and sacrifice becomes a sequoia seed planted in eternity that may grow up forever. So would you pray and give and serve? Now, I want to give you another quick story. I've got a chance to travel and maybe see a few of the the, the great cathedrals across the globe. Uh, And and so I'm going to show you a few of these. This is St. Peter's Basilica in Rome. This is at the Vatican. Uh, they, They believe that they built it right on the site where Peter was put to death, where he was crucified upside down. And then I'll show you another one. This is uh, Notre Dame in Paris. Again, another one of these great cathedrals. I actually had a chance to go there and see it before it burned. What a, what a tragedy. I was actually there on the 800th anniversary of the dedication of the cathedral. It's something interesting about the building of these medieval cathedrals. They would, some, many of these cathedrals would take a hundred, even hundreds of years to build. So what they would do is they would begin the trust fund that would keep the building going for, for many years long after those who started are gone. 
Well, one of the things they would do is they would purchase the land, they'd begin to build, right? And they would plant cedar seeds in the property around the site where the cathedral was being built. Seeds that would grow into saplings that would grow into cedars that eventually a hundred, even hundreds of years later would be harvested and used to become some of the final uh, parts of the building, used to build the building, used to uh, put, uh, to be carved into the doors and the furniture in the cathedral. Man, what a, what foresight to be able to plant seeds that will be harvested years from now. Can I encourage you? Be a seed planter. Be a cathedral builder. Build something that outlasts you and continues to be built long after you. And you might say, well, when do I get a quit? When do I get a lookout for me? You quit when hell quits. You can stop giving when hell stops stealing. You could be selfish when hell becomes selfless. Okay, you get the point, right? Like you and I, in this life, we don't get to quit giving and serving and helping, man. Don't you quit until hell quits. You keep going and you keep giving your best. Dads, don't you give up. You keep being faithful. You keep loving. You keep serving. You keep praying. You keep giving because what you do matters and it will matter forever. Don't you leave a legacy. It's not about what you leave behind. It's about the life you lived in such a way that your life mattered forever. I want to take a moment. I want to pray a blessing over you. And I just want to say thank you for the privilege of of speaking to you. Thank you for staying with me. Now let me pray over you. Heavenly Father, thank you for loving us so much that you gave your life. You, You sent your son Jesus to give his life and sacrificial death for us so that while we were of no use whatsoever, you gave your life and died in our place so that you could give us life. And we receive that life, and we want to give it back to you. Like Joshua, we bow our hearts, and we say, God, what message do you have for us? We want to live a legacy. We want to live our life in such a way that what we do today matters forever. We recognize that our life is not about us. It's not about me. It's about living obedient for you. So right now, God, we surrender our life. We're willing to go in the opposite direction of our instinct following your will, your way. We're willing, to, we're willing to give without getting. We're willing to sow without an expectation of a harvest. And we say this now, in Jesus' name, amen. LifeHouse Newport News, I love you. I am celebrating with you. I love Pastor John. I believe in you. And let me just say it again. You know when we quit? We quit when hell quits. So we're going to keep giving. We're going to keep serving. We're going to keep praying. We're going to keep loving, believing that God is on the move in the church, in your life, in your home, in your family, through a pandemic, through a crisis. I believe the best is still ahead for you, for your family, for the church, for Newport News. Thank you again for joining us on the LifeHouse Newport News podcast. If you're ever in the Hampton Roads area, we'd love for you to join us at one of our live worship experiences at 9 a.m. or 10.30 a.m. at the Regal Kiln Creek Movie Theaters. Until then, feel free to check us out at www.theaterchurchnn.com or on any social media platform. Thank you so much, and God bless.